Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 35. I hope y'all are doing okay. We just harvested a bunch of mulberries off the property, and regretfully it's about to rain, so we're probably going to lose the rest of them, but our chickens sure have been happy lately. And speaking of chickens, that's pretty much all that's going on around here. It was so funny. It was only about a week ago, I reckon when I saw this little fluff nugget, Bantam Silky, who looked like a cloud, sort of like a white cloud with little gray spots and just a ball of tiny fluff on a friend of mine's Facebook. And I remember saying, and you got to be really careful what you say when you're a witch, oh my gosh, I really want one of those. And then I just really felt that deep desire for that chicken. And my chicken friend delivered it to me the next week. Not the same one, but the exact kind. So she's here now. Just adorable. She gives hugs. I'd seen videos of chickens who did this, but I never had a chicken give me a hug until two days ago. She was scared, and I picked her up, and she threw out both of her wings and cut my shoulders and laid her sweet little tiny noggin against my chest. Oh, my God. I'm in love with this chicken. And my little death layer, y'all look up that chicken, it's a death layer, is finally to the place where she was able to go meet others and hang out in that particular little crowd. So I have all different ages. I've got tiny little nuggets all the way up to my retired girls. And in other news, I was recently asked to teach a class for uh, a pagan group. And I don't think I'm going to do it because I'm not very fond of lots of folks even if it's online. But I did go ahead and play with an idea for a lesson, and it kind of stuck with me, and I thought I would briefly talk with y'all about that today. Before I get going, though, I wanted to say that I'm starting to give some thought to going to every other week. I'm finding that, especially during growing season, I can only get around to like 25 minutes on a Friday and put it together, mix it down for y'all, and release it on a Sunday. And if I went every other week, there would be a whole lot more opportunity for me to spend and give you back that hour-long content I used to give. I do think that platform would work best. My little wolf brawn warned me a long time ago that every single week was going to be difficult. And it has been. And I'm a little bit worried that I'm not having as much fun as I used to have. So if I spent quality time with y'all every other week, I think that might be a lot better than just trying to get out this podcast once a week. I never did like quickies. So let's work on deep, rich time together instead of this. So this will be the last weekly one I do. And y'all can just expect this to be the way it used to be when we could really get down to the crunch and bone of a situation. So I hope that's all right. If not, um, tough titty. Anyway, the class that I was thinking about doing had a lot to do with colors. I was thinking about calling it Shades of Magic. Then I realized that was really kitschy and goofy and 
I walked away from it. But what I was thinking about were all the arguments I've had with folks over all these years about colors and what they have to do with magic. Now, if you go buy a book on the craft, you're going to see, well, a lot of different things. And I'm not going to be very particular because I don't want to call anybody out. And I want to stay friends with everyone if I can. You'll see a lot of prescribed things like red is for passion and blue is for water and that kind of emotive feeling and healing and that kind of thing. And in a lot of ways, I reckon that does make some sense because we think about things that we know and signify those things pretty easily, right? The big blue ocean, red hot coals, blood, this kind of thing. Yeah, that that makes sense, except that it's almost so simplified that we can't see the forest for the trees. This kind of thing ends up embedded in our brain. It ends up embedded in our linguistics. It ends up embedded in our culture. And I suppose over time, those things become real themselves, even though they might have started off on a false pretense. I mean, just think about the fact that some of us were raised with this whole idea that girls, they go for pink and blue is for boys. And I have no fucking idea how the hell that started. I'm sure somebody could do the research on that. But I do remember as a little girl, my favorite colors were blues and greens, not pink. And I knew a little boy who absolutely loved pink and all shades of it, rose and fuchsia. But in and of itself, that shade, let's go with that pink, does not actually signify a gender. But it has come to do so. It's something we've accepted over time. Well, some folks have accepted over time. I've never been one to walk lockstep with anything. Um, You know, haven't spent most of my life down here in the Bible Belt and resisting and fighting everything from racism to standardized religion and politics, I'm not about to adhere to witchcraft standards now, if that makes any sense to you. I'm not going to trade off one box for another box. And in fact, I don't really like boxes. I mean, I like to get things in them and open them and be surprised, but I found that living in a box is fairly uncomfortable. And it doesn't let me see things. So I'm not ascribing to that. I'm sure y'all seen the books that this color candle must be used for this thing. Or here it is. It's Maybun. Do you have the correct harvest colors out? I mean, you know what? They are fun. And yeah, I do tend toward that. But do I think I must? Hell no. I remember having an argument with somebody over a black candle. Oh, a black candle. Here we go. Satan himself is sitting in the room. Am I right? Black candles signify that you're going to do some dark artwork. You might do something naughty. Bad children, please. You know, in the natural world, there's a complete color flip of the man-made world. And what I mean by that is if you want white and you want to make white, You have to bleach it. You have to strip color. And if you want black and you want that pigment, say you're mixing a paint, you're going to have to add a lot of colors together to get that. But in the natural world, it tends to be quite the opposite. What is it? Old Bear's Paradox? 
where white is actually all the colors being reflected at once. And black is an absence of that. Now, speaking magically, what does that mean? Well, it might mean if I wanted to do some chaos magic, now would I not choose the white? Hmm? And if I wanted to do a little healing magic, wouldn't I go to something a little more peaceful, more dark? See, I just don't give a shit what chapter 35 and how to be a correct witch in today's economy has prescribed for me. It doesn't make any damn sense. I personally, and this is just me, believe that there should be a native, mm, inquisitive rebelliousness to the craft. Now, I don't mean that we should just run willy-nilly and say no to everything we see and to hell with you. But I mean that if we don't question things as magical beings, if we don't think things through for ourselves and find our own way, well, aren't we just describing to another dogma? Resistance does not necessarily mean you'll never accept something. It means that you're just taking your time. You're saying, give me a minute. I want to research that. Let me think how I feel about it. I think it's critical to a real magic life. You know, I'm also thinking right now about how many times I've heard someone say, oh, you want a rock that's going to represent water on your altar? Okay, well, here's a blue rock. And so many times I've seen that rock be something like turquoise. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, it might be appropriate to some alchemy work and possibly to represent earth. I mean, after all, it has a lot of copper in it. But have y'all ever noticed an opal? Because we're talking about a rock or stone, if you will, that can hold up to 30% water. Does it have to be blue? It's rather exhausting to me. I guess in a lot of ways, I'm arguing for some science in our craft. You know what I think. Magic is science. Science is magic. Magic is just that science that's not been proven yet and has a nice little study done on it. And even then, if you've done your research, are you sure you didn't just grab up the first one that confirmed your bias? Mm Mm-hmm. I like to argue with myself a little bit, too. It doesn't mean I'm never going to come to a decision. It just means that I want as close to the realness of that decision as I possibly can get. The truth of a thing, however elusive that might be. Y'all know it's a lot of the same kind of thinking I had about chickens all these years. I was told, and most of my family always believed that chickens were stupid. Really, really stupid animals. And that is something they needed to believe. It's something I needed to believe. I mean, after all, fried chicken, am I right? It doesn't mean that just because you figure out that, or maybe you were a little wrong about this animal, that you have to give up your chicken parmigiana. It does mean that you need to accept the truth of the situation and maybe give that animal a little bit more respect for having given up its life for you so you can have a nice dinner date. To me, that's common sense, and it's really good crafting. It's a holistic way of looking at how we're going to, I don't know, be part of the great wheel of the world. But I believed it. I believed it until I raised them. And the longer I raised them, the more I saw all kinds of things. Now, since then, I've noticed a lot of research out there on this kind of stuff, that there 
capable of empathy and that they have serious memory. And then they can recognize, I don't know, I think it's up to 100 different kinds of people and remember them. They even have some object permanence where once they know a thing is real, they assume it has been moved, but they do remember the thing. And some can be bitches and they can be bitches on purpose. They're capable of all kinds of things. There's even some studies on the fact that they can do some simple math if it's right in front of them. Now, does that change my vote altogether on whether or not I'm going to eat chicken? No, that was not what it was. And in fact, I've been guilty of eating chicken in this COVID lockdown because, well, vegetarian patties and things like that, what I was trying to do, are very expensive and I don't have the money and I need protein. Although it has changed, and I mean in full, has changed the way I look at my food and the energy I put towards respecting that. Well, life. Now, I know that's one of those inconvenient truths that we go through in life, but I'm sorry, I'm not down for being a pussy about living. I want to know the real and I want to deal with it now. If it changes the fact that I'm more empathetic now, that I care more deeply about my livestock, that some indeed get to be pets and get to be spoiled rotten, doesn't that just make me a better human on the planet? I know it makes me a better witch. It reminds me so much of my childhood. I've been able to see Aura since I was a very little girl. I have no memory of the first year or two of my life, so who knows, right? But I thought everybody could see them. I thought this was normal. So I would always tell somebody how pretty their aura was. I didn't call it an aura. I called it their glow. You're glowing this or you're glowing that today. And I remember my mother was into parapsychology, heavily into parapsychology. I mean, actually, they're at the college working with parapsychology. And uh, I was sort of a party trick. She'd take her friends, you know, in a little get-together and put them up against a white background in the dining room and tell me to read it. Tell me to say what I saw. And to give credit where credit's due, the doctor up there, Dr. Slade, he was doing a lot of real work and he did the best he could with it. But I look back on some of that and I've heard and read some of the new age stuff about auras and Oh, your aura is blue. It's always blue, and this is what that means. Or your aura is lightly purple with a hinge of red. Ooh, trouble a-coming, all this kind of crap. Auras are affected by humidity. They're affected by whether or not you're grounded. The electricity in the air, your health. But we're not a mood ring, y'all. There is no standard I'm more interested in how far off your body that sucker's beaten. I mean, I've seen two to three feet. That's a life force, y'all. And then, of course, I've seen hardly anything at all. Anyway, my point is is that I don't think that I've come this far in my craft to accept some kind of witch's commandments on what things should mean and what they shouldn't mean. Doesn't allow for a lot of diversity, does it? I mean, I suppose if we were going to go that route, all male witches need to only wear blue. Kind of really messes up our whole black hat thing, doesn't it, y'all? These are pre-prescribed things, honeys. These are not set in stone. They have very little to do with actual magic. 
And anytime I ever get confused about if something is a precept and should have a stone etched out for its demands, I always think about the trees or the animals. And I ask myself, how well do they adhere to that kind of shit? Well, my black chicken is my sweetest chicken. And my white chicken is a big pain in the ass. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get the handout or the memo. Hmm. That rebellious nature in me has really come in handy for gardening and raising babies and all kinds of things. I remember when I couldn't plant basil, y'all. I tried everything because I wanted to make my own pesto and I would do it exactly like it said to do it on the back of that package. And if you look at the back of one of those packages, I can't remember how many inches apart they wanted these tiny basil seeds, but it was ridiculous because then you get these tall, leggy basil plants with so much room in between and then the wind blows and they fall over and they look scraggly. Well, one time I just got really, I don't know, rightly pissed off and I took a big old pack of basil and I just sort of scattered it across the ground and Worked it in a little bit with my hand and threw over some hay. And y'all, I had the biggest haul of basil I've ever seen. They all leaned on each other in the wind. We had so many jars of pesto that year. And, you know, sometimes the way things have always worked still work. But for some of us with different energies and different ways and maybe a little rebellious spirit, Trying something out of the box works for us a lot better than it does by prescription. I don't know. Do y'all have anything like that? I would love to hear about that. When you worked outside of the box and it finally, finally was like, yeah, kismet, baby. Email me that and I will read your stories on the air if you want me to. I do want to make an apology about something. I walked away from my email for two weeks. Yikes. I'm so sorry. I was going through some personal stuff and it wasn't really bad. I just needed some time to kind of heal on some things and get my head right. And I took a little peek in there the other day and whoops. (laughs) I'm sure there are several of you out there that are like, well, she ignored me. No, I didn't go in my email box for two weeks. So I'm going to be responding to all of those, and I'm so sorry. And I'm, I'm back, and I'm feeling better. So do email me again and let me know. When have you been rebellious in the craft? What worked for you that didn't seem to work any other way when you tried to do what everybody else was doing? You know, did you throw away the wand and just use your hands? Did you throw away the books after you did all your research and just felt your way? Tell me those individualized stories. Tell me about the inquisitive and rebellious nature of a witch because those stories are the things that are going to keep us really happy right now. And they also give us something to look forward to in the future. One more little story. It's a tiny one. You probably won't even care about it, but it comes to mind, so I'm going to tell you. We all know that sage has serious antibacterial properties. I mean, they've done studies on this thing. Smudging doesn't just get rid of ghosts. By the way, it doesn't really get rid of ghosts. To me, it just sort of is like ghost pot. <laughs> We're just getting them really stoned and they feel a lot better and chill them out. But um, we know that there's some science behind this. 
I'm sure if you're a witch and you've studied it, you know that smudging can actually, no kidding, clear the air. Well, I can't grow white sage. I live in Alabama, and if you look at the science of this, you're going to see how difficult that would be. I've tried. It doesn't really go anywhere. I'd have to have it in a controlled environment, and I'm a little bit more natural than that. So I had regular sage, and I also had rosemary and lavender and all kinds of other things. And so I made myself some sage bundles from Common Kitchen Sage, which also does a little bit of work, by the way. And rosemary and all kinds of cool sage bundles that you don't have to buy. You can do them yourself. And I have to tell you, I've enjoyed using those more than any of this white sage pre-done stuff that I can get from the West. First of all, it usually grew here. So it has a semiotic relationship and also a very physical relationship with the plants that are already on my land. And I'm one of those plants. And works better for the land spirits, works better for everything. So wasn't that a neat idea? And I've seen other people do it, but we should talk more about breaking those rules. Yeah, honey, go ahead and use regular kitchen sage. Especially if it grew in your backyard. I don't know. Sometimes I don't think we give ourselves enough credit for actually that magic within us. That deep thing that's real and has always been there. And we're looking for some outside, definitive, authoritarian source. We're still looking for the Bible, y'all. And it's inside of us. That's where it is. That's where the whole history of our grandmothers, that's where they reside. And they're talking. We've just become too disconnected to understand the language. So try rebelling on something tiny, something small. Get out of the box a little bit. Who knows? It might end up being quite the adventure, don't you think? You know that old saying about women who follow the rules rarely make history? Guess what, y'all? The same is true of witches. Be your own kind, whatever that might be, as long as you're not sitting in a little box. Y'all remember my last podcast when I talked about being a little girl and how important that kind of magic is to us right now to survive this thing? Well, you go tell that little boy or that little girl that you were, that they have to run exactly the same as everyone else, that they have to wear all the same clothes as everyone else. You go ahead and you beat that spirit out of that child and see who you end up being. Or... You can liberate it. You can say, honey, you can have the tattoo. Sweetheart, go ahead, dye your hair purple. Who gives a fuck? Does it make you happy? Or, yeah, put ketchup on eggs, you rascal you. By the way, I don't do that. (laughs) But I do put hot sauce on them. I was watching my daughter-in-law the other night at the dinner table. And she was fighting up against the male culture in this family. Now, they were teasing her, but they were teasing her about how to eat potatoes and what the right flavors were and how not to do things. And they were speaking from their own family traditions, but they were kind of being rough on her. And she leaned over and she said, I'm going to enjoy it no matter what you say. And I'm going to enjoy it in my way. And she fought for that diversity in herself. She fought for that difference. And that kind of a spark is what we need if we want to stay magical. One of my mentors a long, long time ago 
made sure I understood when I was writing my dissertation the thing that would matter the most at the end of it. She said, never argue, only repeat. Well, I will repeat and repeat and repeat my soul to this world. I will sell my barbaric yop across the treetops. I will put hot sauce on my eggs. I'll use opal to represent water if I damn straight want to. I'll enjoy my nose ring at council meetings. And I'll paint my toenails green. I will be me. Because the second I make my magic fit into these neat little avenues of dogma, everything sacred about it has been stopped, has been stilted. It's like I would become a headstone of who I used to be and adhere only to that from now on. Rather than being this flowing, ever-changing, always-evolving, sacred being. Never let them put you in a box, fat children. Blow that box up, stomp it down with your feet, and use it for compost because I hear that cardboard is really good for that kind of thing. (laughs) All right, that's enough. I guess I'll see y'all in two weeks. Please email me again. I'll go check all those and respond to y'all and can't wait to hear your stories about when you rebelled and found your truest magical self. Blessed be y'all. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.